Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome to the Bombshell Business Podcast, where driven women in business learn how to become more bold, brave, and unwaveringly confident. Feel empowered and challenged through inspiring stories and tell it like it is advice for business, life, and leadership. Hi, and welcome back to the Bombshell Business Podcast. I'm your host, Amber Hurdle, and I think you're going to really enjoy today's episode because we're going to unpack many things that will be relevant specifically to you. And I also have some freebies involved as well. So stay tuned to the end because I also have something else I really, really need to talk to you about, but, um, you know what, I'm going to talk about that first, forget that this is probably the most important. So here's the deal. I'm going to give you four amazing personality assessments and three of them. I'm actually going to link to free two, let's see here. One, Two of the four, I'm going to actually send you or put in the show notes a free link to be able to take these assessments so you can get to know yourself better. But here's the deal. The woman who is editing this podcast and who is putting it onto the website so you even have show notes to get to, the person who is putting this into the format so that you get an email if you subscribe to my newsletter so that you get this in your inbox. If you listen to this podcast or have for any amount of time, this woman is what makes it all happen. Okay. So I like record it and I upload it to the cloud and then she takes it from there. Okay. This is what happened. Her name is Jean. Jean has worked for me for quite some time and she is amazing. She, she's a great mother. She's a great wife. She's a great family member. She supports multiple generations through her work. And, um, and she's our podcast producer. And she also helps my friends over at better talent with behind the scenes sourcing and making sure that, um, the research is done to make sure that the right candidates are being chosen for particular jobs that are out there primarily in the vacation rental industry. So she has a lot on her plate and, um, here's what happened the end of last year, a a super typhoon. Ray came through and ravaged her community, really ravaged all of the Philippines because she lives in the Philippines. So what's going to happen tonight is I'm going to go to sleep and then she's going to work and then I'm going to wake up and then like magic, things are just done. Now, I want you to imagine many of your mothers or parents, I want you to imagine this amazing human being who is huddled in the corner of a concrete room, the only concrete room in her house, holding her baby, Kai, toddler Kai and just hoping they don't die. Like that's, that's her experience. Okay. (laughs) That was her experience. So it took out her house, obviously, other than that one room. And they literally have been living with family. Um, she's had to go all over her area to find Wi-Fi because there's no electricity. They have been 
she's been bathing Kai like in a little bucket. I mean, this is a whole thing. Okay. So right before the holidays this hit and we decided to do a GoFundMe and then also recently put it on Facebook because Facebook kept burying um, the GoFundMe link because Facebook has its own fundraiser system. And so of course they don't want you to link out to anything else. If they have it just like ads or videos or anything, you know, how Facebook works. So with the holidays, things kind of got crazy and a lot of people didn't see it. Now I want you to know, we need to raise $20,000 to build her a proper house. That is both typhoon proof and earthquake proof. There are like eight typhoons that happened to the Philippines last year. Okay. So this is not like a once and once a deal thing like this is a whole thing so um we are at seven thousand four hundred four dollars on gofundme and um and then better talent and amber hurdle consulting are going to go in and we are going to um match money as well like a, a, a significant bit so here's what i want you to do I don't care if it's $10. I don't care if it's $5. Every little bit helps. But if this podcast has done anything for you, if this podcast has given you one idea or helped you see yourself differently or empowered you or gave you confidence, then please consider going to either of these um opportunities to contribute to Jean's new house. So we want to, we want to rebuild her house. We want to get her a generator so that if the electricity goes out, she has electricity, not only for her family, but for business continuity. I mean, this is a bombshell. She's a bombshell. She's a bold, brave, and waverly confident female entrepreneur. That's what she does. And if she can't work, she can't provide for her family. So she needs a generator. Um, and then we're, you know, we're, we're really just wanting to replace what was lost build a secure home. Like this is stuff we take for granted y'all in the United States. I mean, it's just crazy. We want to build a new house, secure her ability to just like life safety, live safely. And then when the fit does hit the shan and it's going to in the Philippines, like eight times last year, we want to make sure that she has some source of electricity so that she can continue doing business because she supports her family and um, other generations in her family as well. So if you go to GoFundMe, it's called help Jean rebuild her Philippines home. And then I will also put the link. I'm sorry, Jean will put this link. And I know she's dying right now listening to this. I'm Jean, you know, I love you, <laughs> but we're doing this because we're going to fix things for you, or we're going to help you fix things because listen, y'all Jean is, um, she's so humble. And I mean, she was like immediately working as soon as this happened, it was just like crazy. And it's not because Amber Hurdle Consulting or Better Talent was like, you need to work. It was just because like, she's like us. It helped her kind of move past the tragedy or not move past it. Cause it'll, you know, obviously be haunting her for a while, but it helped her get her mind off of it. Maybe that's a better way of saying it. So um, help Jean rebuild her Philippines home is what it's called on GoFundMe and help Jean rebuild after super typhoon Ray is what it's called on Facebook. And so those links will be in the show notes and then also in the newsletter, um, so if you get the newsletter, then please um, look for those links. I am asking you with the greatest sincerity. And I just, you know, I don't, I don't ask a lot. I know that I overgive. I get in trouble all the time with my team and coaches and everything because I give, 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 give. And I don't want anything back for me. I'm asking you to help Jean. Um, every woman, every mother deserves to have a home, especially someone who works her butt off like Jean does, deserves to have a home that's safe. So please, please, please help.
Okay. Now let's talk about you, your personality, how you operate, what makes you tick. Now, you know (laughs) that I'm all about some personal branding and really the reason why I call it personal branding and the way that I start just about any engagement that I do is I want you to understand. I want you to develop self-awareness because when you understand yourself, not only does that make your life easier because you know what you can really lean into and do well with, and then what you might need a bubble wrap. Now, if you don't know what bubble wrap means, then um, we will make sure to put in the show notes, the episode about that. Okay. So that's actually episode number 92. If you are looking for it at amberhurdle.com forward slash podcasts with an S, or if you're scrolling through your, um, whatever podcast listening app that you use, it's episode number 92, how to never deal with weaknesses again. So, um, you know, some of these assessments might refer to weaknesses, you know, I don't believe in weaknesses. So just to get that out of the way. So I'm going to go, um, in order of how I try to kind of look at things, not kind of, this is how I like to look at things. So the first one I want to tell you about, um, which I am a certified partner in is cert- is the predictive index. And then what this does is measure workplace behavior. So it determines like what needs do you have in a work environment? And then it's able to predict your behavior best based on like the drive that like you have this need and then that drives your behavior or alternatively, you could say like, this is what drives your behavior, which creates this need, which then this is how it manifests. So we really use this to hire, to make sure that the person and how they're wired and the, and the type of work environment that they need actually matches the job. So like, if you're a super extroverted person, you need to be around a lot of people. And then I hire you to sit behind a computer all day and not talk to anybody how long do you think that's going to last or how good of a job do you think that person's going to do? Not a very good job. So what happens with this assessment? And, and also let me just back up for a second. We use it to hire, but then we also use it to coach. And we also use it to make sure that like the right people are on the team because you might be low in a certain area. You want to make sure that the team is balanced out. So there's so many uses for this, but truly, and especially in today's uh, talent puddle. We like to use PI to make sure that we're hiring the right person so that we don't have ridiculous amounts of turnover average, like 50,000, $60,000 a year job. If you lose that person, you're, you're, it's costing your company 30% to replace that person. If you think about loss of productivity, about, you know, advertising for the job, ramping that next person up, there's more tools that go with the, with the PI, but we're just going to talk about the behavioral assessment right now. So assessment takers, and those of you on YouTube, you know, sometimes I got to read. So I'm sorry, I'm not looking at you in the eye, but here it is what it is. Okay. <laughs> so assessment takers get a list of two adjectives. Um, using the first li- list, we ask them to select words that describe the way others expect them to act. And then using the second list, we ask them to select the words that describe them in their own opinion. And each adjective is associated with one of the four key factors that determine workplace behavior. And those are dominance, extroversion, patience, and formality. And then after people complete the assessment, then we assign them a reference profile. It's a snapshot of the way they think and work with, without regard to a specific role. So it doesn't matter what the role is like, this is how they're going to show up at work. 
These four key factors or key behavioral drives provide a simple framework for understanding your employees and candidates' workplace behaviors. And it's it's really, it's a superpower to be able to know in advance, right? Um, so it lets you see beneath the surface so you can predict how people will behave in given situations. Behavioral testing combined with an understanding of cognitive ability can dramatically improve the hiring process. Now, I just saw mine. I usually keep this up on my cork board. If you're watching on YouTube, you can see this. So this is my PI behavioral assessment profile. So you can see this is the reference profile. I'm, I'm, I'm like not doing a good job showing this here. Let me see. Okay, here we go. <laughs> Sorry for those listening on, on a listening app. So right here, you can see I am a maverick. Okay. Um, a maverick is undaunted by failure and is comfortable with risk. <laughs> Would you say that's me? Probably. Yeah. Okay. So then you could see all these little dots right here and just really quickly, it says that I obviously have a high need to be in charge. It says, let me drive. This is the midline here. Mm, midline is right here. And then the further to the left you go, the wider and the bigger and the louder that drive is the further to the right you go, the lower it is. But again, when you get away from that midline, it's like turning the volume up. So you can see, I have a very wide pattern. I'm an ACDC maverick. Okay. <laughs> so this says, let me drive. And then on the extra version, I'm moderate. That's not anything crazy as let me talk it out. Sometimes I, I do think things through, but most of the time I want to talk it out. So we know that I want to be in charge. I want to have my fingerprint on things. I like my ideas best. A lot of learned behaviors around that. You can ask my team. I ask them all the time. What do you think? What should we do? Because I know as a more developed leader that I need to ask those questions, despite the fact that I'm automatically wired to be like, oh, here's the idea. Let's run with it. And then if you look over here, my C drive is super low and it's give me variety. And then my, my other super low drive is that D give me flexibility. Okay. So I need for things to be very different. I need competing priorities and I need for things to be flexible. I'm a rule breaker. Like it's, it's your, it's my suggestion book. It's your rule book. Like, obviously you need to know how to do things step-by-step, step, but I don't. So that, that, that's just kind of how I roll. And then the wider this is, or the, the, the different ways that the letters interact with each other, like A over D, you know, I'm a huge risk taker. A over C, I'm super fast paced. I'm very proactive. Like let's get things done. A over B, I'm going to put tasks over people. If you're going to come and, and like, you know, tell me something bad happened, I'm totally going to listen to you. You guys know me. I'm totally going to listen to you and I'm going to try to make you feel better. I'm going to help you talk through it, but then I'm going to get back on task. Like I'm not going to stop my day for that because that's just not how I'm wired. So, um, so that is how that works. So if you're, if you were to hire me and you wanted me to do a monotonous task day in and day out, that's probably not a good plan. I'm going to bounce because I'm going to be miserable. Right? So if I wasn't around people, that would be a problem. If you put me in a position where I had to listen to other people and do exactly what they said all the time. And I had zero autonomy and I had no um, ability to put my thumbprint on things is not going to work. And so let me give you an example. One of my PI clients skipped the process. 
and we create a job target, meaning we kind of understand where this person should land for this particular job. So this is another assessment within the software. And then we just basically electronically lay over the profile on top of the job assessment and see if it's a fit. And so she skipped that, you know, things were busy, whatever. She just didn't use the tool. And then, um, and then she was telling me like, I'm really having a hard time because I have to tell her to do everything. And I said, well, what does she score on the, on the PI? And she said, well, I didn't give it to her until afterwards. And I was like, well, let's look it up. And I was like, well, she's reactive. She is not a proactive person. So naturally you're going to have to tell her what you want her to do. She does not look for the next step. That's not how she's wired. And then she was saying, well, she's not super personable and, you know, she's kind of really quiet and we really need her to be more outgoing and, and really, um, engage more. And I was like, well, she's like lowest B meaning the very lowest part, the, the, the furthest away from the midline of all of those different letters is her B. So she's introspective. She's going to think through her ideas. She's not going to be an outgoing personality. This is not, you didn't hire the person that you wanted. (laughs) You hired a person to fill the seat. And now we're in trouble because you've hired somebody who is not going to behave the way you want her to behave. And it's not her fault. She's designed perfectly. She's fearfully and wonderfully made. She's just in the wrong role. So that's why we use predictive index, but it's even helpful for you because um, it helps you decide how you perform best. So when I'm doing one-to-one coaching, or if I'm doing um, a personal brand one and done, I use a predictive index because I'm going to let you know, like, this is, this is the type of work environment you need to create for yourself. These are the areas that you're going to need a bubble wrap like me, low D rule breaker. I'm not going to dot every I and cross every T. My team is my bubble wrap. They are the people who are dotting the I's, crossing the T's, making sure that we're following the processes and all that kind of stuff. Otherwise it would be a shiz show. Okay. (laughs) So that's the important thing you can go to amberhurdle.com forward slash predictive dash index. And you can take that on me for free. Okay. Amberhurdle.com forward slash predictive dash index. This will also be in the show notes. So you can learn how your workplace behavior um, operates for you. It's the most ideal. Okay. All right. Moving on. The other one that I'm certified in, and I love this one, it's just sexy and it's so fun. Like if I had a favorite, it would totally be this one. It's how to fascinate. Um, and this is a personal branding assessment. So I'm um, founded by Sally Hogshead, um, speaker hall of famer, Sally Hogshead, wonderful human being, lover to death. Um, she really, really, um, she and the team really looks out for um, all of us. And, um, and I just can't say enough good things about this organization. And I've been privileged to be a part of it for some time now. And I'm considered a, um, senior advisor. Um, so I do this, <laughs> I've done this with thousands of people, excuse my little cough there. Um, and so where other assessments like the disc or Myers-Briggs, they help you see how you psychologically see the world. That's not fascinate. Okay. (laughs) Fascinate is used so we can understand and learn how the world sees you at your best. It's a personal branding assessment. So the test is based on branding, not psychology. 
it interprets your actions and your preferences through the eyes of others. And so this has over 10 years of research, and I should back up too. the, the scientific validity of the predictive index is continuously being tested. So I have beef with certain assessments because they're not regularly tested. There's not ongoing validity studies for them. So like the information gets stale, like society changes and they haven't done anything. So let me go back to PI real, real quick. Um, PI was created like, I don't know, 70 years ago, between 60 and 70 years ago. And it was um, created in the military in the air force, because, um, there was someone who had just exceptional, um, what do they call them? Um, Oh, I don't know what I'm trying to say here, but he, everything went right for him and his teams. We'll just say it that way. And so they said, you know what? We really want to understand how to put the right people in the right positions so that we have the kind of success that your unit has had. So they sent him off to Harvard and he learned how to put this together. And initially it was used to discover who should be a bomber pilot and who should be a fighter pilot. Just think about the differences between those two, right? So the bomber pilot, like it better be precise. <laughs> you don't want to bomb the wrong area. Like it can't be a hair off. So you need somebody with great attention to detail. Like that's definitely not me. Like I would make a terrible bomber pilot, but a fighter pilot, I, I mean, like spin on a dime, be super proactive and reactive and make sure that I'm like not going to die. And I just have to shoot people down. Like that's probably more me fast pace, super aggressive. That's me. So I'd be good at that. So that's where that was founded from. And it's still being tested and tested and tested to this day. Okay. So how to fascinate, um, based on the Kelton study and it is, um, validated every single time, um, they go into a, a larger organization and they do a ton at a time. Um, and Again, the more people who take it, the more we can learn about the science behind Fascinate. So again, this test is based on branding, not psychology, and it interprets your actions and preferences through the eyes of others. So with over 10 years of research, spanning fields of study from neurology to bio biological anthropology um, is what went into making this 28 question test. Y'all is super fast and it's spooky, scary, accurate. Um, it identifies your personality's most fascinating communication advantages. So there's seven advantages. So you'll know how you're seen. So you could be seen at your best and discover what you're already doing right. So you can do more of it. And this is how I got my girl crush on Sally. Like as, before she even had um, FCA's uh, fascinate certified advisors, I was like emailing them going, how do I get certified in this? Because as you know, I'm the person who's like, just do you just lean into who you are. There's nothing broken about you. You don't have freaking weaknesses. And so what Sally says is discover what you're already doing, right. So you can do more of it. Like, don't worry about the parts of you that aren't like ideal for what you're doing. So she and I automatically have that value aligned. So why she created this and she has this whole background, like award-winning branding, marketing, the whole shebang. You make more impressive first impressions and you can find out how you are most likely to influence that person sitting on the other side of the table. And so you can communicate with confidence and you can learn the precise words to describe yourself in introductions, a professional bio or a LinkedIn summary. Now, this isn't just for salespeople, although it's amazing for salespeople. I love doing this with sales organizations. Um, I just did it last week with, um, uh, granite fabricators, like literally the guys who cut the granite. 
and they polish the granite. And even the people who install it, like not just the higher ups, like literally everybody in the organization, shout out to uh, Narelle and all of my friends at Mackenzie Stone and Tile in Eugene, Washington, or Eugene, Oregon. I can't talk as the end of my day, y'all. So sorry. Um, Narelle had the insight to know that if everyone on her team understood what made them awesome and understood how they best influenced each other, that team's going to work together better, more cohesively, and they're going to be able to have a common language where they can understand each other and why they're acting the way that they are, whether it's good or it's bad. So everybody at Mackenzie Stone and Tile last week learned how they fascinate. So you don't have to be in sales. You just have to understand how do people see me at my best? How do I show up at my best? How do I influence other people? How do I describe myself to other people? And when you have that ability to not only understand yourself, but understand how the world is receiving you, oh, now you got a superpower. So this, there is a charge for it. Totally worth it though. If you go to amberhurdle.com forward slash fascinate, amberhurdle.com forward slash fascinate, you can take the assessment there. Um, and if you take it in my world, then it, you kind of stay in my world. If you go to the main site, then you will not be in my world. So if you ever wanted to communicate with me about it, then take it at my site. Um, okay. So now we have discussed um, workplace behavior, like what type of work environment do you need? Um, personal branding. How does the world see you? So you can lean into doing more of what you're already doing right. And now let's talk about the Enneagram, which I call like, it's like you're wounding, right? <laughs> Not all the way, but sort of. So the Enneagram is, um, and I've, I've taken it, I use it, I talk about it but I'm not super skilled in it. So I'm really going to lean on um, the Enneagram Institute's definition of this. Um, so I kind of took different things from the website. The Enneagram is a system of personality typing that describes patterns and how people interpret the world and manage their emotions. When I think about Enneagram, I really think about emotional response. Um, it helps us discover our core motivations and fear. And when we delve into the Enneagram, we can better understand ourselves and begin to grow. So like what's motivating this decision? What's motivating this behavior? Like what's the emotion behind that? And, um, and then like, why are we fearful of certain things? So at its core, the Enneagram helps us to see ourselves at a deeper, more objective level and can be of invaluable assistance on our path to self-knowledge. Everyone emerges from childhood with one of the nine types dominating their personality with inborn temperaments and other prenatal factors being the main determinants of our type. Now, my therapist, um, Dr. Evelyn Fry, the Evelyn Fry Center, she's, she was certified this like in the seventies, like before it was cool. And there's kind of an ongoing joke in Nashville that if you live in Nashville, then, you know, everybody's Enneagrams. I don't know why it's so popular here, but it just is. But the reason why, um, she likes it is she is completely of the philosophy, which is proven psychologically proven. That is that your personality and how you receive the world happens in the womb. And within, I think it's the first two years of life. 
yikes. Right. <laughs> so, I mean, I just, I feel bad for my kids because I had stressful pregnancies. Can you imagine Brittany? I was 16 years old trying to have a baby. Like, obviously I screwed her all up if that's when that happened. So, um, you know, thank God we had a lot of self-awareness and everything. We were able to, um, be aware of those things that I likely accidentally did. So you might have that as well. You might've had you know, the perfect Patsy pregnancy when you were in the womb and growing up as a, as a baby, but maybe you weren't. So this is, this is how deep the Enneagram goes. Like it's gets way in the way back machine. So this is one area where most all of the major Enneagram authors agree. We are born with a dominant type. Subsequently, this inborn orientation largely determines the ways in which we learn to adapt to our early childhood environment. So we are, we have adaptive <clears throat> behaviors and then those follow us into adulthood. It also seems to lead to certain unconscious orientations towards our parental figures, but why this is so we still do not know. In any case, by the time children are four or five years old, their consciousness has developed sufficiently to have a separate sense of self. So we're not trying to be like mom and dad anymore. We're trying to figure out like, this is how I'm going to roll in this world by the time you're five, four or five years old. So although their identity is still very fluid at this age, children begin to establish themselves and find ways of fitting into the world on their own. Thus, the overall orientation of our personality reflects the totality of all childhood factors, including genetics that influence its development. Okay. So first of all, you can take the Enneagram test. It's affordable. Like I think it's just like 20 bucks or something like that. If you go to test.enneagraminstitute.com, test.enneagraminstitute.com. Now, y'all have seen my friend, um, Jamie Gordon on the show before, way back before. And um, she's been a guest for um, my membership group. And I've known Jamie since junior high. And Jamie and I, I, I mean, I could just go on with funny stories, but, um, we would do basically improv and drama class. Like I was actually in choir. She was in drama with my friend, Emily, who I'm also still um, friends with. And, um, anytime that we did not have a teacher, we didn't get a substitute for choir. We actually went to drama class. So in light of that, let me just tell you, this woman is hysterical. I know because I used to do improv with her. <laughs> she is the unstuckologist u-n-s-t-u-c-k-o-l-o-g-i-s-t gee i can't even talk g-i-s-t so unstuckologist that's who she is on instagram and she does the most hysterical skits around the enneagram so if you want to learn more about the enneagram and some of this is like get super scientific or whatever follow my girl, Jamie. She has like a bajillion followers. You will love her. Okay. She, she just breaks it down and she's an amazing human. I can vouch for her. So that's your resource there. Now, last but not least is the Myers-Briggs type indicator or MBTI. And this is a personality inventory. Now, if I was to have a favorite psychologically based assessment, like how do you see the world totally is Myers-Briggs. Okay. So the theory of psychological types described by Carl Jung. So I'm a huge Carl Jung fan. He, 
he's the one who talks about the shadow self, which we've talked about that, right? Um, he's the one who talks about the different personality archetypes. Um, so like I'm a warrior personality, or maybe it's the hero is the original one. The hero is the young um, personality archetype. Like I'm just obsessed with his work. So no surprise that I'm big on Myers-Briggs. So um, this is the theory of psychological types described by Carl Jung, understandable and useful in people's lives. The essence of the theory is that much seemingly random variation in the behavior is actually quite orderly and consistent being due to basic differences in the ways individuals prefer to use their perception and their judgment. Okay. So perception and judgment, that's what this one's based on. Perception involves all of the ways of becoming aware of things, people, happenings, or ideas. Judgment involves all the ways of coming to conclusions about what has been perceived. So first we're going to perceive it and then we're going to judge it. How are we perceiving it? How are we judging it? If people differ systematically in what they perceive and in how they reach conclusions, then it's only reasonable for them to differ correspondingly in their interests, reactions, values, motivations, and skills. I'm going to say that again, because that was a lot, but I want to break it down and I want you to understand what this is about. If, and this one's a little more complicated and it's harder to remember, like I'm an ENFP. I know that, but I am a personality assessment nerd. So <laughs> That's a lot to remember, but then like, what does that even mean? Like, what's the E mean? What does the N mean? What does F and the P mean? So some people really shy away from this one because there's just a lot to it, but it's super, super valuable. So I'm going to read that again. If people differ systematically in what they perceive and how they reach conclusions, that's the judgment part, then it is only reasonable for them to differ correspondingly. So we're all differing in different ways in their interests. So what, what interests me versus what interests you? What do I react to? How do I react to it versus how you react to something? What do I value versus what do you value? What motivates me versus what motivates you? And what skills do I have versus you? Those could all be different. We can all put those in very different ways. It's kind of like, um, like a Rubik's cube. It has to line up right for each of us. And my lines up to ENFP. Okay, so in developing the Myers-Briggs type indicator instrument, the aim of Isabel Briggs Myers and her mother, Catherine Briggs, was to make the insights of type theory accessible to individuals and groups. So she's like, okay, cool, Carl Jung, you have the, you have the theory, but now we're going to assess it. So that's what they did. They addressed the two related goals in the developments and application of this instrument. The identifications of basic preferences of each of the four dichotomies specified or implicit in Young's theory. So the identification and description of the 16 distinctive personality types that result from the interactions among the preferences. Um, and so, you know, I didn't really break down the other, like the different, um, the four different indicators for PI, there's seven different um, indicators for how to fascinate. And then, um, is there nine for the Enneagram? Is that right? Where's Jamie? I, I need my girl, Jamie. Let's see here. I think there's nine. I could be wrong, but I want to break down Myers-Briggs because I feel like this one's a little more intimidating and I want you to understand it. And we only have so much time in the podcast. So, um, we, we didn't have time to really break down all of them. So, when we're talking about the 16 different personality types, the way that we get those is we mix and match 
first of all, what's your favorite world? Do you prefer to focus on the outer world? Like what's going on outside of you? Are you more externally extra extroverted or on the inner world or introversion? So I like, I'm obviously extroverted ENFP. I'm an extroverted person. I prefer the outside world. Um, that's just how it is. Now, from information perspective, do you prefer to focus on the basic information you take in, or do you prefer to interpret and add meaning? That's called sensing, which is the S, or intuition, which is the N. I am an ENFP. So while I am extroverted, I then go back and I process the information internally with my intuition. Okay. So I might come off as introverted at times because I need to think through some of the information. I might go out there and I, and I experience it. And I talk to people just like on my PI, you know, that I like to talk through my ideas, but once I've talked through them, now I need to retreat a little bit and I need to just go on my own intuition. I need to, um, interpret things, um, and add meaning to it. So that's the EN on mine. The next thing that this measures is decisions. When making decisions, do you prefer to first look at logic and consistency or first look at the people and special circumstances? So this is called thinking or feeling. Now on PI, I'm right on the midline. I didn't really talk about this, but the E factor is, do you, do you like to make decisions um, based on facts and um, data, or do you prefer to make decisions like on gut instinct or, um, previous experiences? And I'm right on the midline. So I'm situational. I can go either way, but Myers-Briggs says that I'm more feeling so, um, or yes. So I'm more ENFP. Yeah. So when I'm making decisions, I look at the people and special circumstances. I feel my way through now that I think makes me a really great coach. Um, not to pat myself on the back, but the reason why I can connect with people so quickly is because I feel them like everything about them, whether they twitch a little bit this way or the tone of their voice or how they just show up or how they look. Sometimes I've never met a person before in my life. And I feel like I already know their childhood wound because I'm such a feeling person. So there's not a right or a wrong to this. It's just, you know, it's just tapping into who you already are and making sure that you use that as opposed to being like, oh, that sucks. I wish it wasn't that because now you're negating how your natural design is and you're not being able to put that into the world. That's how you're designed, lean into it. So now we have, um, if how you like to experience the world, how you like to process information, how you like to make decisions and then structure in dealing with the outside world. So everybody out here, not my inner thinking, um, do you prefer to get things decided or do you prefer to stay open to new information and options? So this is called judging or perceiving. So obviously if you prefer for things to be decided and like that is that, then you're judging. And if you prefer to stay open to new information, low D, super flexible, that's perceiving. So that's the P in my ENFP. So your personality type, when you decide on your preference in each category, then you have your own personality type, which can be expressed as a code with four letters, which I've described myself as ENFP. So you can take this at, um, it's, let's see here, 
shop.themyersbriggs.com. And there's like this really long link. And so I will put that in the show notes, but here's the second assessment that you can take for free um, because there is a different version. It's not the official version, but it's pretty darn close. And that's at 16 personalities. So that's um, 16, like the number 16 personalities.com forward slash free personality dash test. Okay. Now I have a podcast that actually I haven't really listened to in a while. And I just saw that they have some stuff on the Enneagram too. Um, but I got super obsessed with them when I was thinking about, um, the Enneagram or not the Enneagram, the, uh, Myers-Briggs. So it's personalityhacker.com podcast. And then, um, episode 225 is the car model that describes your personality, um, cognitive function stat. So the way that they describe it is the car model. So it's your personality, cognitive function stack again. Um, so the driver's seat, like this is where you, this is where you spend the majority of your time. Um, if you're in the driver's seat, then this is your dominant cognitive function. I mean, this is how I make decisions. This is how I experience the world. The co-pilot or the passenger seat is more of the auxiliary cognitive function. So if I'm not in the driver's seat, then, um, and I'm not describing this the right way. So I'm just going to tell you the model. Then I want you to listen to this episode of this podcast. Okay. So that's the auxiliary cognitive function. Then in the back seat is the three-year-old. <clears throat> so this is an inferior cognitive function. This is like the third place that you dip into. Um, and then there's, or excuse me, there's a 10 year old first. Um, and then there's the three-year-old. So I probably didn't, I probably shouldn't even explain all of that because they're going to describe it way, way better, but it helps you understand like, okay, I'm an ENFP, but what does that mean? Like, how does that help me understand myself? This is so much information, Amber. If you listen to that podcast episode and, um, and you are interested in Myers-Briggs, I think it'll help you conceptualize it in a way that's way more applicable to everyday life. Um, so we have a free version of that. We have the podcast, um, and then again, I don't believe in weaknesses. I do not believe in weaknesses. So if you start to feel kind of hanky about any of these, then do go back and listen to, um, episode 92, how to never deal with weaknesses again. Um, and that's at amberhurdle.com forward slash how dash two dash never dash deal dash with dash weaknesses dash again, or you can just look up episode 92 when you go to amberhurdle.com forward slash podcast with an S. Um, again, just a reminder that Jean really, really needs your help. Um, we really need to get cracking on her rebuild of her house to give her both a very safe place to live for her and her family and to have business continuity so she can continue to provide for her family. So if you've gotten any benefit from this podcast, Jean is 100% behind it and she needs your help. So again, you can go to GoFundMe and look up help Jean rebuild her Philippines home, or you can go to Facebook and go to uh, the fundraisers there and look up help Jean rebuild after super typhoon Ray. And both of those links will be in the show notes. So please check those out y'all. Thank you so much for listening. I hope this episode was helpful, help you to understand yourself a little bit better. I can obsess over this. There's other assessments that you can take as well, but these ones just happen to be my go-to's the ones that I think pretty, pretty well give a nice, um, you know, this is how I like to behave at work. 
This is the type of work environment that I need. This is how other people experience me. So whether I'm leading and influencing or I'm selling an idea or I'm selling a product or a service, this is what I can really lean into. Um, then like, you know, kind of what are my wounds and what do I need to understand um, drives my decision-making, um, what motivates me and what am I, what am I afraid of? Like that's another aspect of our personality. And then, um, how do I, you know, what's my behavior being driven by from a psychological standpoint and how do I perceive things and how do I judge things? So as you can see, like they all do something a little bit differently and they all help us better understand ourselves. And when we understand ourselves and we have self-awareness, then we can see and harvest the greatness in others. And I say this all the time. I've said it a million times on the podcast, but it's like the person who can't make up their mind of where they want to go. And you say, Hey, where do you want to eat tonight? And they say, I don't care. And you say, well, how about Mexican? They go, no, I don't want that. And you go, okay, Chinese. And they go, no, I don't want that. And you say, oh, what about pizza? Oh, I'm not in the mood for that. And you're like, I thought you said you don't care. And they say, well, I just don't know what I want. And then you say, well, what about Italian? And they go, oh, that's it. It was a power of contrast that helped eliminate the other things to get you there. So even if somebody's not just like you, and there's a lot of people like that, it's easy to understand to get along with people who are just like you. Cause you're like, oh, they do things like I do. I know how to treat them, but it's harder to apply the platinum rule, which is do unto others the way they want to be treated when they're different than you. But if I see that somebody really needs time to think through ideas, well, that's different from me. So I'm not going to treat them the same way. I'm going to actually treat them differently. But if I don't know that I like to talk through my ideas, then I won't understand that contrast. So we really have to understand ourselves to be great leaders, to contribute to whether it's personal or professional, the world that we live in so that we can then understand other people and motivate them and lead them in a compelling way and influence them to be their best as well. So again, hope this was helpful to you. If you're listening and, um, and you, you can't access the show notes, just go to Amber Hurdle dot com forward slash I'm sorry amberhurdle.com podcasts with an S and um and you can find everything that you need um to get to all these links and um, help Jean out and I will see you my friend on the next episode. Thanks for listening to the Bombshell Business Podcast. Visit amberhurdle.com for more resources like show notes and check out the bombshellbusinesswoman.com to grab my book and download the free bonuses.